0: Hello there. Happy Thursday, December 10th, dropping another episode of the No Jibber Jabber podcast. Thanks for checking it out. I had Kish Rajan and Matt Francois. Kish used to be on the Walnut Creek City Council, and Matt is there now. We're talking about policing and about uh, the pandemic, the shelter in place, the impact on local businesses. And one of my favorite parts of the conversation was Matt describing what's being done by the city police. Um, and when it comes down to it, it actually sounds a lot like the slogan of defund the police, even though that concept in a city like Walnut Creek is is pretty uh, foreign. And uh, so really got into the the policies behind that. And Kish brought a great perspective as well. So thanks for checking it out. And if you get a chance, you can follow us on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, on Spotify, or on Apple iTunes. Thanks so much. All right. I'm here with Kish Rajan and Matt Francois, uh, Kish, former city council person for Walnut Creek. and, And Matt is on there now enjoying all the fun and exciting times on city council. So thanks, guys. Thanks for joining me.
1: Good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and so you know, Kish, tell us a little. I, I know you served a few years back and, and yeah. have left the council. Uh, tell us a little bit about your time on Walnut Creek City Council.
2: Well, yeah, I was back in 2008 and 2012. We were just uh, remembering that, that they were simpler times it seems <laughs> uh, back then. But uh, you know, but it was look, it was an honor to serve. You know, Walnut Creek's my hometown. Uh, it's a great community, and. Um, you know, I, you know, I was honored to have been elected and enjoyed my four years there a lot. Uh, you know, the issues, I think, I'm sure Matt will, will, will uh, validate that the, the issues of Walnut Creek are, are, are pretty, you know, they endure for the most part, right? It's a wonderful community. It's a great family community. There's a great quality of life here, really strong, robust local economy. Uh, great schools, you know, even with shaky leadership on the school board, you know, we still have, no, 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 we, our schools are great. Um, and, uh, you know, our, um, it, it, we have, it, it, it's a wonderful quality of life. And, and I think that really, uh, though, issues will come and go and, and um, you know, the times do change. And certainly Matt and his colleagues are dealing with a, a, a very different set of, of issues than the ones that we uh, had to address back in 2008. But you just got to find a way to navigate through them. Right. You know, Matt and, and his colleagues are dealing with COVID-19. They're dealing with, um, you know, the rise of, of social issues uh, that are, are, are complicated, both nationally and and certainly our share of those locally. But, you know, back in 2008, we had the, had to deal with the, the huge uh, economic crash that happened and uh, other challenges that emanated from that. So we all have our ups and downs. But um, it was really it was really great to be able to take a, a, a brief turn at helping to uh, lead the city for a while. And I, I was honored to do it. And I really appreciate that Matt and his colleagues are doing it now.
0: Yeah, so Matt, you're, you're in your first term, correct?
1: That's right. Uh, two years in, I was elected in 2018. I, I served on the Planning Commission for a number of years before that.
0: Yeah, so not, nice, smooth transition onto the council, right?
1: Yeah, it has been. It's uh, you know, it is you know, as Kish said, it's it's an honor to serve, first of all, as I as I know you have experienced, Brian, but also the fundamentals of our city of Walnut Creek, I think, are fairly strong. There's a high quality of life, there's a strong economic base, we have a good job base, and we have a great city staff. So we are experiencing some challenges now, no question. I think it's not unlike ones, other cities in the Bay Area and throughout the country are experiencing. But I'm confident, I'm confident we'll, we'll work through those and come out stronger and better than we were before. And, and I think some of that is already happening Happening now.
0: Yeah, talk to us a little bit, um, you know, Kish experienced it in 08, 09 with the, the economy. But, you know, this time, not only do you have that the housing recession that, that we had then, but this time it's so much more prevalent because now we have the lockdown. So businesses are aren't open. Um, they're or they're switching models that you know you can no longer dine it, it, indoor or outdoor right now in Walnut Creek. W- what impact is that having on you know the businesses that you're seeing, as well as what does that mean for city finances and and from that city services?
1: Yeah, it's had a huge impact, Brian. You know. Kish experienced it in 2008 to 2012 with the great recession. What we experienced this year was similar, but different in that we had a precipitous drop in revenues, essentially overnight with, with business closures and loss of sales tax revenue. So we had to close a $22 million gap between two budget years in the space of a number of months. And due to, um, Prudent leadership from Kish and my predecessor other other predecessors who had built up good reserves, we were able to work through those, those uh, deficits with with minimal layoffs and minimal use of reserves and You know, most happily without having to go to the voters and ask for tax increases. So the city has been run well for a number of years and we reap the benefits of that this year in particular. I'm concerned though about our local businesses, our restaurants and retailers, and we all are. And as a result, we implemented what we call a rebound program, which is really a bunch of programs and initiatives to try to help our local businesses through any way we possibly can through allowing, you know, outside dining in the public right of way and streets and parking spaces allowing curbside pickup for retail businesses. Um, The council recently adopted a fee cap on the amount of fees that delivery, food delivery services can charge our local restaurants. And uh, so we're doing what we can, but I, I, my heart just breaks for some of our local businesses who are really suffering right now. And for the ones that were, the restaurants and retail businesses that were tenants of the city and city-owned buildings, like the Locust Garage, we've um, either waived rent or reduced rent. So we're trying to work with people as best we can to help them through this this difficult time.
0: Yeah, and you know, one of the things I've struggled with, and Kish, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on this. Is you know, obviously here in California and and Contra Costa, we've gone to uh, another lockdown similar to what we had in, in the spring. And it, it's in response to, you know, rising numbers of infections, of hospitalizations, deaths. Um, we're seeing a higher uh, positivity rate on the testing as well. But I, I, I guess I struggle and, and think about this from a, a school perspective as well, is that, you know, does a, a broad shutdown is it too broad? And are there ways that, you know, perhaps um, we would be thinking about that instead of, of more strategic around some of the, the activities that we really know to um, seem to spread this virus more, more than others. And so just wondering if you have thoughts about that. I mean, or, it's a, uh, it's, a, a public it's a policy tough, approach.
2: Yeah, it's a tough question. And I mean, you know, I, I think that uh, when you look at at this global pandemic and what the responses have been and what what appear if you look on the global stage to have been the most effective ways of addressing it national mobilization around testing and contact tracing technologies that are used to try to isolate the virus and or isolate you know instances big pockets of infection and try to have you know more mobilize more resources we haven't seen that kind of national policy uh, here in the United States. I think states individually have had to um, to do the best that they can with the, the capabilities they have locally. And I think what that has is that's cascaded down to local communities and local public health organizations, obviously getting direction from Sacramento, but doing our best to try to figure out in the absence of being able to test and contact trace and really strategically identify where the pockets of infection are, What are the measures, the best measures we can put in place to try to slow the spread and, and not overwhelm our local healthcare capacity. And now thankfully with a vax with vaccines, apparently on the way by enough time to, to let those vaccines kick in. I I've always understood that given the cards that we have, that has seemed like a logical and rational approach at the local level. However, When you get down to the nitty gritty, it's very difficult. And just like Matt has indicated about the concern for local businesses, I now in this latest iteration of my career helped to lead a garbage and recycling company that helps process garbage and recyclables and organic material across about half of Contra Costa County. And our commercial base, that is our base of local businesses, is a huge component of that. So I can see the day in and day out impact of these business closures or the limitation on operating hours or capacity for these businesses. And it's very sad to see. It's very sad to see the impact on especially small, locally owned businesses and their employees. Um, and, And we don't even know the extent to which, once we get through this on the other side, what the permanent impact will be, how many businesses will permanently... Be closed or just not be able to recover from this. You you can't look at a small business owner and and not feel compassion for the fact that these broad approaches to try to slow the spread of the virus may well nevertheless result in the end of their business. It's these are really really tough choices, and I'll just say for those, you know, all three of us in our own ways have had to make hard choices in 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 leading public policy or public organizations. Um, these are the toughest choices that you have to make where you're trying to do the most good, do the least harm, but knowing that when you have these big problems, nothing's going to be perfect and people are going to suffer and it's too bad to see.
0: Yeah. And Matt, like al- along those lines, I just, I think Kish summed it up really well, but there's so many of these restaurants and businesses in, in Walnut Creek, um, you know beer house i that's just an example of downtown restaurant that i think they only opened in in like january or february and just the 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 horrible timing for them and i saw that you know their their owner just sent something out um and partly he he was frustrated and i think really understandably about these um you know really broad mandates especially when I think there had been such a good partnership between these businesses and between the city to try and create the, the outdoor dining, which I think a lot of people have said, hey, once the pandemic's over, we should keep some aspects of this. It, it's been uh, really refreshing and really creative. But, you know, Matt, what's your sense of these businesses downtown and, and how many, um, you know, as we go through the second shutdown might not survive?
1: Uh, I, you know, I I would hazard to guess an estimate because I wouldn't want it to be too high or too low. But I I am concerned about about our our restaurants in particular, you mentioned beer house, they had opened in in November of last year. So talk about really bad timing, unfortunately, and they are a city tenant. So they are one that we were able to have some control as a landlord on the city side and, and try to work with them on the rent. But you still need customers and, and the health, the impact of the health orders, I think, just had a little bit too draconian of an effect. I, what I'm seeing though, in, in terms of the restaurants and the retail, I'm seeing a lot of vacancies in the retail downtown, including in and around Broadway Plaza, and that concerns me. So from a city standpoint, we're trying to engage the services of a, a retail consultant that can come up with some strategies to advise us from a city standpoint to try to set the table and be a, an encouraging and welcoming place for retail to to uh, situate. I think this, this particular issue in terms of, of retail and the challenges of retail have been around before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I think it, we're experiencing it to a heightened level because of the pandemic, but we were already, we had adopted an economic plan in late 2018 that was really trying to shift our focus away from retail goods and services to try to create more of a experience-based, uh, you know, like a downtown Disney type environment where people wanna go hang out. And so I I think we've, we're st- we've laid the groundwork for that and we've got some local developers that are wanting to implement projects like the Foundry, which is like a food hall that one, hopefully post pandemic, if we get those going again, I think those types of projects will help not only Broadway Plaza, but the, all all of downtown.
2: you know I just want to jump in and and, and commend uh, Matt and his colleagues and the city staff for thinking this way. Pre-pandemic there's there, there clearly was uh, a challenge that they were putting to themselves as city leaders to think innovatively about how Walnut Creek continues to build upon its successful downtown, um and i think experiential is is the key word you know i think clearly you know we're blessed with uh, a a wide variety of very attractive destinations from a retail perspective but to think about how you use that and and create a differentiated experience for visitors both our residents and our visitors and you know you mentioned the fact that the pandemic has and the outdoor dining aspect or, or businesses that were forced to serve outside I think the city deserves a lot of credit for responding uh, quickly to create those types of outdoor spaces, utilizing uh, parking spaces and other, you know, legacy real estate to try to change and innovate how people can come and enjoy what Walnut Creek has to offer. Um, Listen, there is some notion that this crisis will create opportunity. It will spur innovation and creativity in terms of how you deliver retail dining and other entertainment experiences. Uh, I think Walnut Creek has got to be uh, as well poised as any community uh, in the Bay Area to take advantage of that. And I think the city, it, it's clear, I'm sure they're, th- they're talking about this and thinking about it. And, and i just, the last thing I would say though is I think the public, it's important for the public to understand the, the, the difficulty but the opportunity of thinking differently about things like parking, about things uh, you know, like how spaces are organized and and how we how we invite people in. So this is a good opportunity for the public to think what positive permanent changes changes and shifts can come from this, so that we can continue to succeed into the future. Uh, it's a time of change, and I think people should um, should embrace that.
0: Yeah. And in addition to the challenges business owners have with the pandemic, there's also been in Walnut Creek um, a level of social unrest that, you know, I've, I've never seen during my time living here um, around e- Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, and then here in Walnut Creek, uh, Miles Hall, who was a young man who had a, a mental health uh, emergency and um, ended up uh, being fatally shot by Walnut Creek police officers. And so there, there's there been a um, multiple protests and In some instances, the protests um, have also, there's been looting and uh, things associated with that. And so for business owners, and and we've seen it sometimes very strong police response, um, including, you know, armored vehicles and uh, a a really strong response and I, I believe tear gas. And then at other times there's been a perception that while these businesses were being broken into that the police were standing by and not actively engaged um, in arresting anyone and so Matt i I would start with you just in terms of you know kind of what what's your perspective on this what's the balance where where should the police be at and what do you think they're going to do going forward
1: yeah there's there's a lot to unpack there Brian I think you yeah. know starting with the tragic death of miles Hall who was a young african American man who suffered from mental illness and tragically was killed in a, an encounter with the police in June of last year. And as a result of that tragedy, I'm, I'm encouraged that some positive steps are being made to try to ensure to the greatest extent possible that that encounter would not happen again. And, and along those lines, I think it, it boils down to who should be called when there's a mental health crisis and if it involves a police component, what types of specialized training should the police have in order to, you know, if they're going to engage an encounter with a mentally ill person. And in terms of who, who should be called the, the our city staff has been working very proactively with county staff who takes care of generally mental health issues to try to engage in a regional program that would be a non-police response to adult suffering mental health crises. And so we've we've gotten a lot of traction there. I'm encouraged by the level of progress that has been made. We've had really strong partnership with our two county supervisors, uh, Mitchoff and Anderson, who represent the Walnut Creek area in getting this going forward, as well as with the county health department. So I'm encouraged that we'll see a, a, at least a pilot program in that regard uh, operational by next year. And our city manager is also taking the lead in working with city managers of other cities in in, in uh, adopt in getting this program off the ground. It's a regional approach. It's something that Walnut Creek alone can't do. It's not just a Walnut Creek issue. But I, I'm encouraged that that's happening. And then on the second component, if if you know police are called to go along with a social worker or a mental health therapist or someone else which is likely to be the case in some of these situations because they can trend towards violence or be volatile situations that you'd have a, a police presence at that the police op- our police department is working to to form a similar type program Uh, uh, you know, kind of a mutual aid partnership with other police departments in central Contra Costa County. That would be a 24-7 police response. These police officers would be specially trained to deal with mentally ill folks or specially trained in crisis intervention, they call it. So I think between the two of those programs, I think we're going to see something positive um, come come out of this unfortunate tragedy. And And I think I was
0: going to ask, Kish and, and I know I asked you a broad a series of questions but maybe to to pause on that and I was going to ask Kish I mean I think it, what Matt actually just described is similar to what some people who who've you know had the slogan defund the police yeah what they what Matt actually described is what some of them are advocating for even though I think that that slogan that label his um, you know, there's kind of a visceral reaction when people hear the phrase defund the police that you sure. know, there's thoughts of, you know, riot riots and anarchy and things like that. And uh, Kish, kind of what, what's your take on that?
2: Well, I, I agree with that 100%. I, I think that defund the police is not a political slogan or catchphrase. And I think it, it's only going to elicit uh, a negative response, I think, amongst, you know, most people. I think what has always been behind that is exactly the types of thoughtful, um, committed strategies uh, that Matt is speaking about. Right. I, I think um, looking at the role of policing, the specialization within police departments, and then without police departments, and reimagining how uh, we create a, the right, the appropriate response to a given situation. Um, is really what is behind that. I I think that um, overwhelmingly people in police are there to protect and serve. I don't think there's any question about that in my mind. But I think the, 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 um, the capabilities to be able to understand and to diagnose and to react appropriately to different circumstances, I don't think you can expect every police officer to know exactly how to do that without the appropriate training. And even then, there are just certain situations uh, where other people of other expertise especially in in, in public health mental health etc I, I think reexamining the most effective and the most appropriate ways of responding to different types of circumstances is exactly what's required and I think just acknowledging that you know the pol- that a police officer may just simply not be or, or, or at least alone may not be the best or most effective response to a circumstance is not Giving up on the idea of law enforcement or public safety—it's actually reinforcing or enhancing those things. Um, and then I might just add, if I, you know, if I might, I think Please. that in addition to the mental health component, where I think that type of reimagination and reengineering of how we um, architect, train, and 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 um, and and uh, ask our police to respond—I think racial issues are, are are here as well. And you know, as someone who grew up in in, in Walnut Creek. Um, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, the commitment of this community in general to uh, to equality, to equity, to fair treatment of all people. It's been that's been my experience. And certainly as a person and as an elected official, that was my experience. But a, a part of my experience also is that we don't have collectively in Walnut Creek tremendous experience with dealing with racial divides, racial challenges, racial bias and how to examine and understand and and navigate through those. And certainly, when you get into a law enforcement context, um, that that can be fraught. And so I think that as we think about how to re-engineer our policing, our training, and the way that we equip and the way that we position law enforcement in our communities, I think greater awareness of racial issues being real about identifying potentiality for racial bias or a misunderstanding and potential impacts in the way police respond to any given issues. I think you're seeing this all across the country. And I think Walnut Creek um, has, we have the capability. We have good, well-meaning people on all sides of these issues that I think can help us make the kind of steps forward in our own policing that I think are appropriate.
0: Yeah. And so Matt to, to kind of follow up on, on what Kish just said you know, do you do you think that is a a challenge and maybe what what are some of the steps the Walnut Creek Police Department which you know traditionally has not had uh large displays of social unrest and you know a, a a relatively affluent city and so it, it is you know very different to be a Walnut Creek uh, police, uh, officer than it is to be one in Oakland or San Francisco, and yet now we're we're seeing some of these issues that typically haven't been in in the suburbs, haven't been in Walnut Creek. How do you think the police are responding to that? Is that that a big change, and how how will they go about handling that?
1: You know, I, it is it is a challenge. We're not immune from racism or bias in any community, and I think we have to own up to that fact and have the hard conversations. Part of that for for white people, I think, means listening to people that are not white about what their experience has been. We had a series of listening sessions recently that the city conducted. And just hearing from uh, stories of our staff and other community members, what their interactions have been in Walnut Creek generally and by the police was different than mine. So it was educational to me just to hear that and yeah. to know that, you know, I have a perception of how things are, but my perception is based on how I walk around and get treated in the world, which is different than how other people walk around and get treated in the world. So I think we need to, to own up to that and have those conversations and engage in the listening sessions and, and then the, you know, dedicated training on anti-bias and in- inclusivity at the, We're doing that both in the police department and have been for some time, but also citywide. I think it's something all city employees, including myself as an elected official, need to engage and participate in. And I think Kish is right. We're the type of community that can do this. We've done, this is a hard topic, but I think what we've learned from George Floyd and it was eye-opening and George Floyd is just an isolated incident. He's, this happens to a lot more people than just George Floyd. his tragic death, but that no one is immune from this, and th- this problem has not sol- been solved, and it it may never be solved. But we have to take a lot more proactive steps to try to address it. I think is what is what we've learned in the last in the last few months. Yeah, K- Kish, any
0: thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think that's right. I just agree. I I really appreciate Matt's comments. I, I think yeah. that it's it's hard. It's uncomfortable um but i think the, the only way to deal with hard problems is to just take them head on and and to, and to have people of, of of goodwill on all sides that are willing to share their perspective but more importantly willing to listen willing to acknowledge and then to have the courage to take the corrective actions that are necessary and um and those those are hard things to do and i tell you you know being an elected official or any kind of person position any person in kind of position of leadership. Um, there's a lot of heat that comes with that. There's a lot of difficulty um, and uh, it takes, it, it takes courageous leadership to be willing to address these most difficult emotional um, really potentially fraught issues. And I, I just, I'm very grateful to Matt and his colleagues that have um, though they're being cautious as they should, they're being careful, which is really just prudent. But at the end of the day, I think they're sincere about listening and reacting and and helping to move the community forward and I think that's 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 uh that's what we can expect should expect but I think that's all we can expect is for uh, folks to 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 do their best in difficult circumstances and i I have a lot of confidence in our city leadership that that's what they're doing yeah I think you know
1: I, thank you Kim. I just want to share too that you know our our police department is not resisting this issue I our former police chief, Tom Chaplin, wrote a letter to the community after George Floyd's death, and it was really a beautiful letter and how outraged he was. was by that senseless killing, and also letting people know that he stands 100% with with them in terms of protesting that barbaric act. So I, I think that that, you know, the, the tone is set from the top, and that certainly was our former chief's perspective and I have every confidence it will be our new chief's perspective but um I, I just want your viewers to, to know that that the, the police yeah. is on board with this as well.
2: And I would just and I'll just close this out really quickly this topic up by saying that I think that um I think the public has a right to hold Matt and and this and city hall accountable. And I don't and I think you hear Matt not shying away from that and I think that's really at the end of the day what it's about. So I, and he, as Matt has said, we're really at the beginning of, of a process. I think it, it will take time and, and um, but as long as people of goodwill remain sincere about trying to move it forward and, and leadership is open to that accountability. And then the public acknowledges that the leadership is engaged. So now for the public to engage constructively, I think that's what it'll take to make real change or real progress.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for good looking White guys with great haircuts like Matt and myself that there's a, there's a lot of listening that can go on right now because I, I think it's just the the acknowledgement of of privilege that we we may experience the world differently and you know to 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 Matt's point and what I think he's done a nice job of is you know to to listen to to hear what other perspectives are and understand where the blind spots are. Um, so I'll pivot to, uh, you know, I, I just think a really interesting public policy aspect, which is the city of Walnut Creek um, had an effort not too long ago to cap delivery fees um, uh, for things like DoorDash and Grubhub. And you know it, it seemed to really negatively impact uh, DoorDash's IPO today. I think it's up <laughs> like 70%. But I, I guess, Matt, I, I, I'd love your perspective on this because I think, you know, it's certainly in line with this idea of, Hey, let's support, let's support our local businesses. They're already suffering. They're, they're moving to a delivery model. And that is not especially lucrative for our local restaurants and we want to protect them. But the flip side is, what does that mean from a competitive standpoint and, you know, public, uh, the city intervening um, in public markets and, does it possibly diminish competition? And just kind of wondering what, what your thought process behind that issue was and how you are thinking about it. And then, Kish, I think you've got a, a couple great perspectives and lenses to view that from. So, Matt, can I start with you on that one?
1: Yeah, that's I appreciate the question because that's kind of a sausage-making one for me where I started off, you know, strongly free market. The city shouldn't be in the business of regulating or capping fees. We should just let people do whatever they want this is america yep but I, but i came to the realization as well in listening to our downtown merchants and restaurants in particular that this is have these are these are drastic times and drastic times need drastic measures this is not going to be something that i think me or my colleagues are interested in regulating in the long term or expanding government's reach into regulating the free market but this in particular the, these fees were somewhat out of hand and what i learned as part of this process too was that even if you go on a restaurant's website and you think you're ordering through their website they're still paying a fee to a third a third party vendor to operate that software and that program so and and these fees can add up to 25 30% of the bill And the the restaurant is incurring that cost in addition to the cost that the customer is incurring. So, you know, balancing all that, I came to the conclusion that this was the right thing to do at this time. And we had some feedback from some of our local restaurants that it wasn't being implemented by some of the third party delivery services, the way we had, had adopted it. So that got correctly, that got corrected very quickly through the combination of our restaurants and staff and the third party businesses, um, Understanding the law, so I, I think it was the right thing to do, especially given the times. Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: Kish, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, I, I you know, again, I, I can, having been in those types of roles, I, I probably would have gone through the same process that Matt went through. I'm sure my initial yeah. reaction would have been, I don't know, let's let the free market work. Uh, but when you go through the and you and you ultimately balance. And that really is the key word. You balance all the different considerations. You ultimately make the best judgment that you can. I, I am a huge uh, fan of, and and professionally, uh, at times in my career, have been an advocate for um, these innovative business models: rideshare, uh, food delivery, product delivery, uh, etc. I'm I'm a huge proponent of innovation and technology, and the advancement of these new models. Uh, but having played the roles that I've had, I've also been uh, to them, an advisor of the idea that listen, the best way to make your business models take hold and to grow and to flourish is not to try to run rubshod over local governments and local communities, but really to constructively engage with them and form partnerships, and balance and find balanced policies and uh, rules of engagement that um, that sit well with the local communities and the local residents and policymakers. And, and in turn, ask for things that will pave the way for your business to grow and flourish. I, I, think, I think the success in the long term of all of these um, uh, technology-driven business models uh, really do depend upon real collaboration and partnership with local governments. And so I'm hopeful that this is a good example of that for the long run.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, keeping with the hopeful theme, you guys have been so generous to spend some time with me, and I'll I'll ask you a last question, which is, you know, just for you coming twenty twenty one is uh, coming up quickly. What what are some of the things? What what's what's giving you some optimism? What what are you hopeful about? as we uh, you know, just because I think there's been so so many depressing things, um, you know, starting with Cal football, and then,
2: uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was hopeful oh, until you went much. there, man i know
0: know. at at least we beat oregon but um, (laughs) that's
2: true uh um, well i'll start i'll start i'll give matt the last word here and 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 i'll say i i I really am obviously very hopeful um that the vaccines are going to take hold that the delivery systems you know that we as a community a country will rally and get the vaccines out uh people will take them so that we can uh, just get to the point where we get you know this doggone virus behind us get kids back uh, in the classroom, get businesses up and running um, and and look out for our, the health of our citizenry generally. So I'm obviously very hopeful about that. And and I think that it, when that happens, um, there's going to be so much pent up demand and energy for people to go out and, and thrive um, in, in whatever their endeavors are that I think we're just going to see a, a positive explosion of energy and enthusiasm and innovation and creativity and, um, and I do think that this crisis that we've gone through will have created opportunities. I think right now people all over the country and here locally are coming up with great ideas, better ways of doing things, um, cool concepts, cool technologies, cool businesses that are, are, just gonna, are just gonna burst onto the marketplace. So I think this has been a really tough time but I think that we're going to come through it uh, better and stronger because we're going to have learned from this and be inspired to create and innovate new ways of of improving our communities. And I, I really do think here in want to create that we're going to see that.
0: Yeah, Matt, how about you?
1: Yeah, I I share Kish's view wholeheartedly. I'm hopeful about the vaccine. I'm I'm you know I think we that uh, these pharmaceutical companies have made a lot of progress, and it looks like. I'm hopeful that we'll we'll all be vaccinated in relatively short order. And that life as we used to know it will go back to normal but it won't be entirely normal because we experienced something this last year. But I think there are a lot of opportunities for us to grow and learn from. I think the racial and social inequities that still persist in our society is one of them. Um, So Mayor Kevin Wilk and I are co-chairing a diversity an inclusion task force that we'll, we'll start recruiting for members pretty shortly here. I'm excited about engaging in that work and continuing uh, those good efforts. I think we have a lot to do in terms of, there's a lot to be hopeful for in terms of our local economy, the strength of which is evident by the, you know, downtown Walnut Creek and how successful it's been for the past 50 plus years. I'm confident that we'll get back and be thriving again there. And then we've got some work to do on our infrastructure. Uh, we've got a swim center that needs to be rebuilt. And I'd like to see some of those uh, athletic fields and Heather Farm and elsewhere maybe be converted to turf so that we can have more use by all of our sports programs. So there's a lot to be hopeful for. There's a lot great about Walnut Creek that will continue to be great. And is, it continues to give me cause for optimism. And uh, I think it obviously next year is going to be a better year than this year, but uh, we it, this year was a learning year, and I think there's there's something to be said for that too.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I'm super optimistic, knowing that we've got people like the two of you in the public and, and private s- sector uh, for your contributions. I really appreciate one everything that that both of you are doing um, here in Walnut Creek and on a broader scale, um, and and two, thank you both so much for taking a little time and chat with me. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, Brian, thank you for your ongoing uh, leadership of our local schools. Uh, I, it's, a, it's a big contribution that you make uh, all the time. So I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that uh, for the work that you do. And Matt, thank you for your service as well. I, uh, I appreciate all that's happening at City Hall.
1: Thank you too, both. I appreciate the partnerships with you, Kish, and with you, Brian, and the local school district. And, and let's keep, keep, keep things going and keep it positive and, uh, and see what we can, we can accomplish next year
0: sounds like a plan and and on uh the second part of our podcast in the future i'll I'll make kish tell the story of how he is the one who uh roped me into running for school board
2: uh for the first time so (laughs) matt that'll sound uh, familiar right yeah yeah
1: i remember (laughs) a conversation like that
2: and now i'm just relaxing while you guys are doing the hard work that's good
0: (laughs) with with that thank you gentlemen i really appreciate it
2: all right go bears
0: go bears